Our text this morning is Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which, they had, which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the, then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen, and it was told them. Let's ask God's blessing on our time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your perfect word, your word that you have given without error that we might hear from you. Lord, every time we open it, and Lord, we ask for your blessing. Lord, cause us to understand these truths, and Lord, let not the familiarity of a passage cause us to to check out. But Lord, help us to see what you have to teach us today. Lord, grow us into the image of Christ, we pray in his name. Amen. You may be seated. This week, we, uh, we lost a great man of God in R.C. Sproul. Uh, he went home to be with the Lord. And after battling uh, a lot of health struggles... And uh, I'll never forget a particular quote as God was working in my life one time. Uh, he, he said, uh, R.C. Sproul was saying, We are secure not because we hold tightly to Jesus, but because he holds tightly to us. What a great hope for believers. And I, you know what, there, there's the, the times when people pass away in times of mourning and also times of rejoicing, but uh, that is a man of God, though I may not agree completely with him. He is a dear brother in Christ, and he is celebrating in a new way that his faith has become sight. And I pray that that same zeal for heaven would be in each of our lives, uh, to know Christ deeply, but then that that doesn't just sit in our minds, but it becomes an avenue of praise. Well, today we continue our, our, our study on the Advent, and building upon last week, looking at the angels. The angels had declared the message of salvation. They, de- they had declared the, the, the message of salvation to shepherds. Shepherds, again, were lowly people. They were nomads. They traveled to and fro, depending on where their flocks needed uh, to have land uh, to to graze upon. But one of the things I I want us to to see is that, notice the angels said, to you is born this day. Notice that that commencement was to the shepherds. That Christ was coming even to those who would be seen by the world as to be the outcasts. 
But God's message of salvation, Christ's incarnation, was for all kinds of people. That it was not just the white Caucasians, it was not just the Middle Eastern, it was for all kinds of people. And what an amazing message they proclaimed. And I want us to look today specifically at how the shepherds responded. How they responded to the words of the angels. Notice verse 15 where our text begins. So it was when the angels had gone away from, he- from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now. Or let us now go, excuse me. There was an obedience that happens as a response to the message that would have been proclaimed. I believe this obedience was was based not just upon some randomness, but because they recognized that it is God who had spoken to them. Look at their words. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. We all have authority in our lives. Whether we like it or not, whether it's a parent, whether it's a a boss, whether it's a a governor, we have authority. And we respond based upon their authority and obedience. But these shepherds recognized the greatest authority had spoken to them. And it told them of news of what had happened, and they were acting upon that. They took God at his word and they responded to it. Do we always hear God's word as if it is God speaking to us? There's times in our uh, family worship that I'll say to the kids as we open the Bible, are you ready to hear God speak to you? We, we don't have God speaking to us through dreams and visions and all these things. He speaks to us through the infinitely perfect, complete word of God. We may say, well, if I had angels proclaiming to me, yet we have something, as Paul says, a sure, more sure word in the word of God. Is our obedience compelled based upon what God has said to us? One of the fallacies or one of the maybe unintended consequences of calling them Bible stories that we just think they're another story like a G.A. Henty or a lamplighter or fill in the blank. With little kids, sometimes my, we're in this phase of, of, our, of especially our littler boys, they'll ask, is this real? For instance, like a cartoon. We'll, we have some cartoons called the Torchlighters, which are um, kind of martyrs of the faith and they'll they'll say is this real how do you define that well it is something that really happened but is the cartoon itself real well it is really a cartoon you get into some some kind of deep things you don't my kids are like i just want to know if it's real (laughs) Um, but what can happen is sometimes We can get so used to being in this world of make-believe and fantasy. And yet when God's word is read, it is him really speaking to us. 
even more sure than an angel proclaiming. But notice, they responded to the word, and they responded quickly. Verse 16, and they came with haste. Not a word we necessarily use often in our language. Haste, it means quickly, that they did it not with delaying, not kind of saying, well, let us consider this. But it was in something that they responded upon quickly. They did it with eagerness. But they also responded fully. They responded fully even when they had to search. We don't get all of the details, but sometimes in our minds we can think, oh, they just knew right where to go. But the text doesn't say that. It says in verse 16, and they came with haste and found, meaning the, the word there in the Greek is after searching. What, how did they search? How, how, what was that? We don't know all that. But there was a time that it took, an effort that it took upon them to go. And they followed through with what they did, what they said they were going to do as a response to what God had said, even when they had to search. They didn't give up. Sometimes it can be easy for us to just say, well, I didn't find him the first time. Sometimes as we read God's word and to seek to understand it, it takes work. It takes studying. It takes time to make sure we're rightly dividing the word of truth. But interestingly enough, these shepherds responded in obedience fully. Interesting how Matthew chapter 2, verse 5, speaking about the chief priests, when the, the, the wise men go to them, it said, So they said to him, being Herod, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. They knew, they understood where the Messiah was to be born, yet did the chief priests show up? No. The shepherds come. The magi come. But the chief priests, the religious leaders who knew all the information, they didn't. Why? We don't know. Other than they were blind. They didn't realize. And the shepherds, they found Jesus. But what's interesting is as they came and as they saw the glory of God, they did not leave the same as they came. They were different. They were greatly changed by what they had seen. Because notice verse 17. We don't know how long they were there. That's not the point of all of this. Verse 17, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Something happened as they saw Christ. And when we see the glory of God, it should radically change us. We cannot leave the same after God's glory has been revealed. Like Moses in Exodus 34, as he comes down the mountain, it says, Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai 
And two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Does God impact us that way? When we open his word, do we leave differently in such a way that we have seen the glory of God? And there is, there's a visible notice, a, a visible difference that people see. The Apostle Paul on the way to Damascus was radically changed by the incarnate Christ. But even in Luke, think about the change that happens. Joseph was going to put Mary away quietly. But when he was encountered by an angel, he did it differently. The opposite of what the world would have thought. Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, praises God when he regains his voice. And when he did not believe God, he lost his voice. Elizabeth praises God for the baby when Mary comes to her. Mary ponders verse 19 in our text, but also previously had praised God. The shepherds in our text, Simeon praises God and he says he could die in peace and Anna praises God. All of those upon the encounter with the glory of God. Whether seen in the face of Christ or declared by the message of angels. Does the message of the scriptures change us? And if it does not, we have two questions. One, we have not seen the glory of God. We have not put our face to it. Or our hearts are not truly turned to him. For the shepherds did not leave the same. But as they left, they went to Jesus to find him in obedience. But as they left, they responded, if we want to call them, the first evangelists. Even before the disciples were sent out, they were the ones proclaiming the message of good news. They were compelled to share the message of good news. Were they told to do it? We have no record of that. I think it's the sheer response to what they had seen. When we see something amazing, we want to tell others about it. They couldn't keep it inside. They told people what they were told and what they saw. And they proclaimed it. Notice again verse 16. 17, sorry. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. That word that they they made widely known, that they declared it, is the same word that Paul uses in Ephesians 6.19 when he says, As for me, that utterance has been given to me, that I might open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul was changed, and he couldn't help but to proclaim it, to tell the message, the mystery of the gospel. And in 2 Peter 
Peter writes in verse one, chapter 1, verse 16, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Notice he's, their desire is to make known the power and coming, to proclaim the good news. Though it's a different root word in the Greek, it's the same concept in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus. As Jesus leaves the the two, it says, And they told about the things which had happened on the road, how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. They told about it. They spoke much of it. What do we speak much of? Do we speak much of Christ? A few weeks uh, back, I was was asked to to teach on Psalm 96, which is, uh, again, the partner of Psalm 105. And again, the foundation of that, those psalms are 1 Chronicles 16, when the, the ark had been brought to Jerusalem. And when it came, David wrote a song to remember. What would we have written? What would we have written to commemorate the ark coming to Jerusalem? Or what do we write to commemorate God's work in our lives? To proclaim the message of what he has done, his faithfulness. Notice, they spoke of what they had heard and seen. They had to have experienced it truly before they could proclaim it. And and, and sometimes we, I think we try to make evangelists out of unconverted people. We try to say, go tell the news of the gospel, and yet they don't have a news within them to share. These shepherds had much to tell because they had seen it, and it had changed them. It wasn't about them getting notoriety. They didn't go to the press and say, hey, I'll sell you my story. I saw the Christ child. No. They proclaimed the good news. And as they proclaimed the good news, the news did not just change them, it changed others. Look at verse 18. And all who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. They were amazed. Literally, it meant they they wondered The news was so amazing that they just stopped in awe and wonder. I was thinking this week, how often do I get lost in the wonder and awe of God? Not in just what he has done, but who he is. In Acts 21, the Apostle Paul is speaking and says, When he greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. He spoke much of God. 
And this idea of this wonder, this awe, is, is actually a theme throughout the book of Luke. Again, Luke, we're, we're in Luke 19. Uh, we've taken a little break to come back to the Advent. But Luke is writing to Theophilus, a, a Roman official of some sort. And this is a letter, really a, an evangelistic letter to him. To tell of what Christ has done. And who he is. In this thread of the response of amazement at who God was and what he had done is throughout Luke. Again, Luke 163. Zechariah asked for a writing tablet and he wrote saying his name is John. And the people at the temple as he wrote that they all marveled in amazement. Luke 2.33, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Luke 4.22, so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Luke 8.25, but he, Jesus, said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water to obey him. They stood in amazement. In Luke 9, and they were all amazed or wondered at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at these things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, and the text goes on, but the response of people to Christ was awe and wonder and amazement. Luke 20, as they were trying to trap Jesus, it says, but they could not catch him in his words in the presence of the people, and they marveled at his answer and kept silent. All throughout Christ's life, from his pre-incarnate to his incarnation, he's left people in wonder. Luke twenty four twelve. but Peter arose, ran to the tomb. Stooping down, he saw linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. What an amazing thing, but do we find ourselves wondering? With a childlike wonder. Or has... The truth of God's word just become an intellectual assent to us. That we're not filled with awe and wonder of God. Thinking that we've just put him down onto a page of information. But the shepherds proclaimed a message. And as they proclaimed that message, people were transformed. Right here in verse 19... In contrast, it says, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. There's a different reaction that was taking place in Mary as she was considering, as she was weighing the, the amazing things that had happened in her. In verse 20, then... So we're seeing this progression. They hear from the angels, they go to Jesus, they find him. 
They're so changed that they leave and they respond by proclaiming the good news and they see people being just filled with awe and wonder with the message. And what do they do? Verse 20, then the shepherds returned back to their old ways. Back to the normal life. But they no longer did that old life in the same way. They glorified, says glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. What happened? The message of God was fulfilled. Just like he said it would. Just like they said, he said that they would find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. They did. And they responded in worship. It's interesting, they used... Luke uses two words here, glorifying and praising. The glorifying is that word doxos, doxology. And often we see these as synonyms, as saying the same thing. And to one extent, I believe it is. They're used synonymously. But I think the glorifying is a little bit more of an internal and a praising is a more external. A glorifying is recognizing God. And humbling ourselves. And the praising is the expression of gratitude and praise. Again, notice, why did they do these things? Because of the things that they had heard and the things that they had seen. They worshipped based on who God was and what he had done. Later in Luke 19, verse 37. Then as he, Jesus, was now drawing near the descent on the Mount of Olives. This is the triumphal entry. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God. The same word is glorify and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. I kind of mentioned these people, but think about Elizabeth. How does she respond? In praise. In Luke one forty three. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The humility, the recognition and praise. Mary in Luke one forty six says, My soul, what? Magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior notice all of the praise is toward God it's not self-centered it's an attribution of amazing things that God had done Zechariah as his voice was taken from him because he did not believe the message of the angel when he regained his his speech, it says in Luke one sixty four. immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke, praising God. Simeon, upon Christ being brought to the temple on the eighth day in Luke 2, 29-32, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, 
which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light it bring revelation to the excuse me, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Anna, the prophetess who had stayed in the temple for many years, just a few verses later, upon seeing Christ. And it says, In coming, in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Do you see the example? Time and time again, as people were confronted, they were changed. But in their change, it was that expression of adoration and praise. Not of a, a life to be centered upon them, but upon God. How much do people see that example in our lives who have been changed by this same message, the good news? That we are dead in our sin, cannot save ourselves, that God alone has saved by coming to earth, humbling himself, taking upon the form of a servant, even dying a death on a cross. Yet as one friend of mine has said, many Christians look like rejects from a pickle factory. Because we don't understand what God has done. We're so focused upon, well, what is God going to do now for me? Without realizing and thinking about what God has done. Well, God hasn't given me all that I've prayed for. Unless we be caught in the, this pride of expecting so much from God. Yet he has given us everything that we need. Does our text today just roll off our minds as, oh, I've heard that before. Or maybe I pray that we can see how the incarnation of Christ is something that should leave us changed. That God, the second person of the Trinity, left the praise of angels and humbled himself to come to this earth. He took upon those swaddling cloths. He humbled himself by setting aside the independent working of his divine attributes. So that we would have to read at the end of chapter 2, he grew in wisdom and stature. That's the humility of Christ. But the greatest humiliation would be upon the cross, where he would say, it is finished. For that is how sin can be paid for. Does that message transform us? Or does it just kind of go on the shelf with another little book that we've read? I pray that the Holy Spirit will just open our eyes to the glory of Christ. The beauty of him that would cause us to long to proclaim him. That we'd speak much of him, not out of compulsion, of a negative compulsion, but out of, because there's nothing else we want to talk about. 
because we understand what happened. And we've personally come to that faith in Christ. Is that you today? It's what I've been praying for myself this week because I've been preparing. That I would be like a shepherd. Humble, yet proclaiming the good news for all to hear. Let's pray. Father, these are simple truths upon a page. Yet amazing truths that should leave us in wonder. Lord, today I pray that you would help us to see your glory. Lord, not not to the praise of us, not to the the praise of of even the, the angels or the apostles who were used of you, but that it be to your praise. For we are a people who walk in darkness, and by your grace you have shown a great light. Lord, allow the truth of your word to not just be information that goes into our minds, but let it be to transform us, to cause us to to speak much of you because you are the amazing God who has humbled yourself and has saved a people for your praise. Lord, help us to that end, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.